We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is April 18th, 2021. Jonathan Osborne here, as always, joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, happy Easter, bro. How was your Easter? Happy Easter, man. It was good. Went to went to church. Uh, went to our friend's house after and did some did some lunch. Had the spread. Everybody kind of brought their own dishes. It was a it was a good time. I I had to take a nap before this to be completely transparent because I just I just was in my food coma and I was like I just I need a second. So I slept for like forty five minutes. It was uh you know it was great. I'm still waking up a little bit, but we're we're, we're powering through it. Well, I hope you all had a happy Easter. Luke and I are recording this Sunday night. Uh, this week, we are going to get into our player grades. We know that we mentioned we were going to do that last week, but then you know Tony Huynh came on the show, and uh, Luke, that got and when pretty Tony good Huynh reception. Calls, you answer. Yeah, you drop everything. And you're like, yeah. we got to do this. So that's what we did. We got to do it, and it was a it was a great episode. We've said it already. We said it on the last podcast, definitely like a, a top three, top five podcast that we've recorded with a guest. So uh, if you guys haven't, feel free to go back, give that a listen. And uh, we had a great time with it. Even if you're not like super into the social media stuff, like his insight and just overall mm-hmm. humor, it was really entertaining. So even if you guys don't care about the social media stuff, definitely go back and check that out. But we are going to get into the player grades this week, Luke. We'll talk about the backcourt uh, tonight. And then on Thursday's episode, we'll start talking about the front court, the forwards, the centers. Tonight's going to be all about the guards, or today's all about the guards, I, I, I really should say. But... Before we get into that, Luke, we do have a few housekeeping items. Everyone knows it is draft lottery season. We have the draft lottery actually a month from today on May 17th, Tuesday. We are going to be at Harry Buffalo, downtown Orlando for our draft lottery watch party. Make sure that you guys come through for that. We don't have a time. Keep your ears open for a time. The NBA has not announced when the draft lottery is going to be held yet. Uh, But when it is, we will be there. So make sure you guys come out. If you guys haven't RSVP'd yet, hit us up on social media and let us know that you are going to be there. We just want to let Harry Buffalo know know, how many people are there so they make sure that they're staffed properly so you're not waiting like 75 minutes to get a beer. RSVPs. So you guys need to RSVP. They need to be prepared. It's very, very helpful. Beyond that, uh, we want to give a shout out to our new patron, Franz Goated for show. Thank you so much for uh, for supporting How many the was show. That? It's just two O's, but I I really oh, wanted okay. to like like really emphasize, emphasize that it was multiple yeah, O's there. If you just say okay. for show, people are like, oh, he just means like for show. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you remember Super Bad. I, I know this is a family yes. podcast, but yeah, mm. getting that for show. for show. That's what uh what I'm reminded of when I <laughs> when I see for show uh mm-hmm. spelled like that. Anyways, super big shout out to Franz Goated for show. Um, you don't have your name listed here. I would shout your name out, but I know that you have been 
like literally supporting the podcast since day one. So super, super appreciative. And we appreciate all of our patrons, everyone that helps financially support the six man show here. Um, if you're interested in helping support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. And we have a few different tiers there that uh, you can use to again, support the show. And we shout out all of our patrons every single episode, which we will take a moment to do right now. Shout out court cousins, drew Gooden. Armin, Keith Garcia, Zico, Carson Tulo, Nathan Lynn, Ellis, Jonathan Borges, Norm L, Magic Player History, Julio, Bailey, Matt Lyman, Eric Segovia, Gabe Gaines, Bo Outlaw Fan, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, and again, Franz Goaded Fichot. Thank you all so much. Luke, before we get into the player grades here, we have to run Tankathon. And I think the other day mm-hmm. when I ran it on Twitter, I got the second pick, and everyone's like, oh my gosh. This is incredible. You finally actually got like a good pick. As of right now, we have 29 days, 22 hours, 48 minutes, and 47 seconds until the NBA draft lottery. They're counting this down to the minute. This says Tuesday, May 17th at 8 o'clock p.m. So that makes me feel like Tankathon knows something that we don't know and that hasn't been like advertised That's anywhere. Not been announced, yeah. I think last year it was at 8.30, if I'm not mistaken, because like our... Flyers right. and everything were for 7.30, and we try to get everyone there like an hour ahead of time. So keep your eyes peeled on that. But uh, each week we do this, we run the Tankathon, just so that we can try to be prepared for all outcomes on the night of the lottery. Last week, Kevin mentioned to us, Luke, that he's like, I'm just preparing for us to get the sixth pick. So if we get the sixth pick, it's like, oh, I knew this was going to happen. And then you kind of have an idea of who the Magic may draft there. And then everything else, like you end up above that, then you're really, really happy. If you end up with six, you're just like, oh, you know, kind of figured. How do you feel? Are you going into the lottery night expecting a certain pick? Yeah, I think you have to. I, I think like either, well, your your choice is really to not be hurt by this, is to not have any type of expectation or go into it with the mindset that, you know, you said Kevin talked about, which was the Magic are going to get the six pick. Anything better than that is just like, you know, icing on the cake cherry on top whatever you want to call it that's what that becomes and so i think that's what i'm gonna do because i really we all did we all set ourselves up to just be hurt like a like a bad breakup last year you know you said it many times you know you woke up and you're like we're getting the number one pick today and then they didn't and you were you were devastated and i just think that we cannot we we cannot suffer at the hands of the lottery like that again you know, so I think we got to go in probably thinking either nothing or that we're going to get the six pick because I, I can't do the whole like we're going to get a first pick. I can't even do the whole top three thing. It'll be devastating if it doesn't happen. I think it's easy to say now like, oh, yeah, we'll just get the six pick and I'll be fine. When when Mark Tatum <laughs> is pulling that envelope and says with the six pick or, you know, receiving the six pick is if it's not the magic, everybody starts to get really excited and the part of you in that moment is going to be like please don't be the magic please don't be the magic please don't be the magic right from there on out to number one you don't want to see the magic on that on that piece of you know that paper all my life i've been or self-proclaimed hopeless romantic you know Mm. i just i i want to see the best in people you know i i I want things to work out you know i eternal optimist as well was what that would fit as too yeah i guess yeah and uh yeah I'm just going to keep thinking we're going to end up with a top three pick. Top three pick, I will be totally fine, I promise. If we end up with the third pick, I'll be like, that is great. We're going to get Jabari, Paolo, or Chet Holmgren. One of those guys will be available. Like It is impossible for them not to be. So I'll be fine mm-hmm. with that. If we end up with you know the first pick or the number two pick, I'll be ecstatic. Ecstatic. But three, I, w- I promise I will sleep very well that night. I'll be like, yeah. let's go. We got it. Like If we're not there at four, to me, we win the night. Like to me, right. the night was a complete success. If we end up mm-hmm. in the top three, I won't have any, you know, qualms about that. Just give me top three. That's what I'm rooting for. Now, if we win the first pick, it's going to be pandemonium. Like the place oh, yeah. is going to go crazy. There's going to be people dancing in the streets. <laughs> it's it's going to get crazy. It's going to be you, and that's it. But yeah, there'll be people dancing. No, in the streets. I come on. No, I <laughs> guarantee you, I will not be alone at that point. Because I'll be like, guys, yeah. come outside and dance with me in the streets. <laughs> and you know, everyone will be so. It'll just be ecstasy and, you know, not the right. drug, the feeling. 
euphoria, mm. not the show. Okay. The feeling. You know, this would be great times. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, all right. So, all of this, let's go ahead and sim the lottery, Luke. Everyone knows the rules at this point. You know, you sim it once, that's it. And the Magic get the fourth pick. That's not what we want. The Pelicans again, number one. What the heck? Sacramento, Oklahoma City, Orlando, Houston, Detroit. So, the whole top three got hosed in this instance. I'm so glad the Lakers don't have their pick this year because it seems like every other week that pick wins the lottery. And that yeah. would just be such BS for them to mm-hmm. end up with the the number one pick. So four, you know, we're looking at Jaden Ivey, you know, Keegan Murray, somebody like that, according to a lot of the mock drafts that are out there. All right, Luke, the last thing that I wanted to bring up before we get into the backcourt player grades, um, if you guys haven't already heard, if you ever have any take Anything that you want us to hear, even if you want to tell us how much you love the show, if you want to hate the show, if you're from Toronto and you want to tell us how stupid we are, you can call us at 407-603-1189 to leave a voicemail. If we like it, if it's funny, even if it's not overwhelmingly positive about us, if we find it funny, it might end up on the show or we might use it as an idea for a future episode. So if there's anything that you want to say, you know, get off your chest, vent about, cry about, ask a question about anything you want to say about the show or the team. Again, 407-603-1189. We would love to hear from you guys. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, Luke, it was a long season. We went into it expecting it to be a long season, and that's exactly what we got. Uh, We went into the season with expectations of the team, expectations of of the players. Um, I don't know that we had expectations for Mosley. I guess we can talk about that in another episode as well. Um, But yeah, you go into the season with a lot of expectations, and... Throughout the year, I guess your expectations change from from game to game or from week or month to month, whatever the case may be. But what we're going to talk about on this episode in particular is how you expected a player to play this season and then kind of how that played out um, and and kind of how that compared to your expectations of them, again, before the season started. Right. We're going to do the backcourt tonight. Thursday's episode, we'll do we'll do the front court, and then maybe Mosley. I don't think will be a whole episode. Maybe we'll wrap that into like a, a, another episode right. here. But where uh, where do you want to start with the backcourt? So the backcourt, we're talking about the guards. Uh, we're talking about guys that you know played in the majority of games this season or were in the rotation for the majority of this season. We're not going to talk about guys like Aleem Ford. We're not really going to talk about Devin Kennedy, who we only saw for a handful of games at the end of the season. We're going to talk mainly about like the core guys and, and some of the other veterans that we saw a lot of burn. We'll talk about Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton, Terrence Ross, Gary Harris, Jalen Suggs. And even though we only saw him for a little bit, we have to talk about Markel Fultz. I know it was only you know, 18, 20 games, whatever it was for Markel, but we all kind of universally recognize him as the starting point guard next year. So we will talk about Markel. 
Luke, do you have any preference where you want to start? Is there anyone that you're really itching to talk about or you just want to get out of the way anywhere let's, you want to start? Let's let's get this guy out of the way. We've talked about him oh, quite a boy. bit, Jonathan. Um, I, I want to talk about Cole Anthony first. I He's think number that's one on my list that, too, so let's do it. Okay, great. Yeah, so I, I guess I'll kick it off here, Jonathan. Cole Anthony obviously has a fiery start to the season where we thought that we might have like definitely a future all-star on our hands. Um, and we, you know, in hindsight, and it obviously is 2020, got ahead of ourselves a little bit, Jonathan. If he plays that way all season, this this grade is far different. But um, I think that, you know, where I landed on him is a solid grade. I, I ended up with Cole Anthony as a B. Um, for me, I, I think that, you know, his... I can't lie, like that first 25 games really did kind of put a, a bad taste in my mouth for the future. He didn't really take a jump in efficiency, you know, when it all said and done, obviously, didn't take a jump. It was, it, he took on a bigger role, I guess, is the is the word, but he was still hitting game winners last year. So for me, it's just a solid B. Uh, Cole Anthony, I think, will be a, it should be kind of a six man until he proves he can be efficient. I think he could be that spark plug off the bench for the Magic. So I'm I landed on a B for Cole Anthony. I'm right there with you uh, with a B. Obviously, you know we talk about the first you know 21 games of the season for Cole, um, you know averaging 19 points, 40 percent from the floor, 36 percent from the three point line was as clutch as they come. You know we saw him make big baskets. You know against teams like the Utah Jazz and the Minnesota Timberwolves, two teams that we're now seeing in the playoffs. And everybody was on the Coltrane at Coltrane. John Coltrane. Isn't that a musician? You got me beat. Pretty sure John. Kevin is probably like freaking out that we don't know who John <laughs> Coltrane is. But I know that's a musician. I don't know if he plays the saxophone. I'm going to Google this. Everybody, I'm really sorry about this little yeah, sidebar. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. Is, he's a American saxophone player. jazz saxophonist and Let's composer. go. I'm a beast. Anyways, everyone was on the John Coltrane. Mm-hmm. Cole Anthony train, that is. Yeah. The first, you know, big chunk of the season, and then we've had multiple discussions about his inconsistency from that point. Um, do you feel? Because I feel like we talked a, a lot about his numbers, and we brought them up just now a little bit. But do you feel at any point that Cole was like really forcing the issue? I, I feel like there would be stretches of that in games, but I never mm. necessarily felt like he got into like ball hog territory or well, that. He he, would he just was have, ever like really, yeah, like hurt the offense for large stretches. I think there was like some moments where like Cole, like you really didn't need to take that shot there. But I never, it's never like games where I'm like, what is Cole doing tonight? Kind of yeah, thing. Like well, he there, was missing shots, but I mean, I can't lie. There's moments where I was like, Cole's doing too much. Like there, there's points where he just like would over dribble and find himself in a bad spot and end up chucking up a shot that like we see that nobody else got the ball in that entire possession once he touched it. Cole is a guy who is always going to have the courage or the cojones to shoot the final shot of the game. And while for a long time, obviously he's hit a lot of game winners, he has that kind of knack. But it, it doesn't just because you have the the courage to be the guy doesn't mean you should be the guy. Ooh. And and I think that that's where Cole kind of ended up with me. Obviously, he could hit a game winner at the start of next year, and I completely changed my mindset. I'm like, no, what are, no matter what Cole's my, like, stats look like throughout the year, he should be the guy to take the final shot. Because he's got a great final shot percentage, obviously, better than a lot of players because of the ones that he's already made so young in his career. But, but yeah, that's, that's kind of – I think there were times where I felt like Cole was doing too much on the court, but it never was for long periods of time. It would be like one possession as like here and there – where I just like shake my head at Cole Anthony. Well, so like just looking at his like on off, you know, differential. So plus 6.9 points per 100 possessions when Cole is on the floor versus when Cole is off the floor, which ranks 87 percentile amongst guards. So I think even though Cole did kind of tail off after, you know, that first 20, 21 games, whatever it was, it was still very apparent that the the team operated so much better with him on the floor. And that's what I think maybe like buoyed my, I don't want to yeah. say tolerance isn't the right word of Cole, but I just knew that no matter what he was doing, we your were opinion. still so much worse with him off the floor yeah. that it like raised your tolerance level to those kind of bad shots. Like 
basically what I'm saying is like you live and die with Cole taking those kinds of shots. And, mm-hmm. you know, he would have stretches, particularly early in the year, where it felt like he couldn't miss those shots. Right. As we got later into the year, obviously the efficiency started to tail off, you know, just yeah. a little bit. But in terms of, you know, the overall year for Cole Anthony, we're looking at a guy that played 65 games, averaged 16.3 points on the season, 39% from the floor, which isn't ideal, 33.8, basically 34% from the three-point line, 85% from the free throw line, which is encouraging, ends up with 5.4 rebounds, 5.7 assists, 2.6 turnovers a game. I also think... Again, we know that he the team was better with him on the floor, his ability to distribute the basketball. He led the team in assists per game and was, you know, obviously by a mile, probably the third best rebounder on this team behind Wendell and Mo. You know, yeah. Definitely one of the better rebounding guards in the league. I think that's even safe mm-hmm. to say. And because of some of the other things that Cole adds to the game, he doesn't only impact the game with his scoring ability. But for me, if Cole is going to become like a long-term starter in the league, he has to be an efficient scorer. Even though he adds those yeah. other things, if he's going to mm-hmm. continue to shoot you know, 42% from the floor, sub 40%, I don't think you can. he can be your long-term guard. Can he be more efficient? I hope so. I mean, we saw him get to the rim with some better efficiency again, tailed off towards the end of the season. But at his size, he can create any shot at any time, get to his, his spots, which yeah. we always say is a big deal, but he just, he's got to shoot the ball better. That's for me. That's really what it comes down yeah. to. Like we start, yeah, you know, and we I, go and we look at um, like pull up shooting for Cole Anthony, 28% from three for a guy who it feels mm-hmm. like should be a really good shooter off the dribble could definitely grow in that regard. Um, Three point per shoot, uh, three point percentage in catch and shoot situations, thirty six percent from the three point. I remember DJ Augustine three or four seasons ago, dude shot like fifty percent from three on catch and shoot opportunities. <laughs> that would be great, but mm-hmm. yeah, Cole just needs to shoot the ball better. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing of what like kept him from being even a B plus in my book was just because of that. Like, yes, like you said, he improved in a lot of areas. His assist, I mean, facilitating the basketball, I think it went from the mindset of nobody I don't trust anybody on this team but Markel to run the offense to seeing and, and coming to the conclusion like okay so now we can add Cole to that list averaging almost six assists 2.5 turnovers like not bad at all double the assists which is what you want to see it's not like he had a one-to-one assist to turnover ratio um, I think that next year he could kind of even out I think he could get to 45 percent from the field I really do solely because I think he should be taking less shots I think he should be back near the number he took kind of his rookie year, which was like 11.7, which still might be high. I think if 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 Cole can get to the point where he is shooting like 11 attempts, if he can get 11 attempts flat and shoot 45% from the field, I'll feel a little bit better. I just want to see some improvement next year from an efficiency standpoint. And also, I mean, if he could, I, I don't even know. Like It's hard to, to tell him he should become a better defender because he's just small. It's like not that, that he doesn't try. Right. It's just that he, I just, I just don't know if he can do it, which is right. unfortunately going to hold him back quite a bit. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my, my piece on Cole. And for a guy that's super explosive, like north to south, he's not very like quick laterally. No. So he's not he's beating not anybody tall. in defensive shuffle he's not, drills. Yeah. He's not long. So like, I just don't know that he's ever going to get to the point where you look at him as like a plus defender. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he just becomes a guy that is like passable and maybe you know in a defensive scheme where you're switching a lot you probably just try to keep him on the worst guy at all well, times and and that's why Jonathan and then like, the other team just ends up hunting him and pick and roll yeah, at the end of games I, I think I think it is going to be very I know we've talked a lot about Cole but he was a focal point for this year and and kind of deserves more Cole airtime, will definitely but, be one of the folks that we spend some more time on like so that, yeah. My thing with Cole, and I just kind of like am thinking about it, you know, we're talking about his defensive struggles that he probably really can't help it very much uh, just due to his size, really. And obviously, laterally, he's not the quickest. But uh, I wonder if next year we see Cole in the starting lineup alongside Markell instead of Jalen solely for the fact that you can hide him defensively. Or maybe you see him more in more rotations in that way 
I don't know if it's going to happen. Obviously, you'd have Markel guard the the two guard in that situation. He is bigger. He's a much better defender, whatever it may be. But then you are hoping that Suggs can be a good offensive tool as well, like propel the offense in that second unit, which I'm not saying he can't. But based on what we saw, and we'll get to Suggs, I don't know that he can. So it's a very interesting situation that is going to be interesting to see how it's like navigated moving forward. I'm very much of the mindset that like you play the your best five, mm. like your best lineup. Right. And to me, like putting Jalen next to Markel, Jalen doesn't have to do so much. We yeah. put some other of these like defensive like uh studs in there and yeah. all of a sudden this team just looks completely different. All the things that you were saying about Cole, like yeah, might not be able to guard, you know, your best guy, but it's another guy that we feel like can manage the offense. All of that has me feeling like he is the perfect six-man point guard off of the bench to kind of handle that bench unit and and, and not to Greg, mention if you're they listening can... to i know he doesn't want to hear that i know cole doesn't <laughs> want to hear that but and you mentioned 45 percent. we went over this a few episodes back of the guys averaging like 18 points a game shooting 44 percent, right. and it's all like really good guys in the league yeah so if cole gets to that i think i think i think that the, i think he won't average n- maybe as much but or maybe it evens out at where he's at. I have no idea, but I do think, statistically speaking, if he gets down to like eleven shots per game instead of where he's at this year, which was like fourteen or something like that, I think it's more realistic. I think it's you know less is more in that situation, right? And I think that surrounding him with more talent will help do that. I just don't know how the bench unit will affect him because it's not going to be playing with better players very much um compared to what he's normally used to playing with in terms of the starting unit so it's it's interesting cole is an interesting case and i i really hope that we see a big jump from him next year yeah all right next up uh let's talk rj hampton so um somewhat polarizing uh, amongst magic fans are still a, a good camp that are really really high on rj there are some other people that have kind of cooled off on rj some people that you know are, are just kind of indifferent when we started to hear the talks like, oh, he could be 6'6", he could be 6'7". We're talking about, oh, could we see RJ like at the three at times this season? And I would say the the better part of this season, we saw Mosley just trying to see if he could kind of mold RJ into a point guard. And we saw that, for, uh, again, for I'd say like the first three quarters of the season. And it felt like the last 20, 25 games or so, RJ started to play much more off ball, which a lot of us thought should be his role right now and that he would benefit from that. Um, for me on the season, based off of what I expected from RJ, because I was really high on him yeah. um, at the end of last season. I mean, I know mm-hmm. it was just two weeks, but one April Eastern Conference rookie of the month at the yep. end of the season last month um, or at the end of the month last season, uh, I was really high on RJ coming into the season and when you kind of look at the way that he performed this season in 64 games, uh, averaged 7.6 points per game on 38% from the floor, 35% from the three-point line, 64% from the free throw line, three rebounds, two and a half assists, 1.4 turnovers. RJ is a guy, when we talk about catch and shoot situations from the three-point line, shot 39% from the three-point line, is a guy that I think maybe we had a, a feeling that he could be a pretty good defender last season. I mean, we saw it in the Utah game earlier this year down the stretch in the fourth quarter playing really good defense on, you know, guys like Donovan Mitchell. So now where it was like, Oh, we have all of these guards. We have, this is a, a log jam at the guard with Cole and, and Jalen and, mm-hmm. and, and Markel and, um, you know, RJ Hampton. Now I feel like if, you know, he bulks up a little bit, and continues to improve as a three-point shooter, I could see RJ being like a 3-and-D wing kind of guy off of the bench. I don't know if he ever turns into like a starter per se, but if he really focuses on those two specific areas, I think he could be a really high-level role player when you add in you know his athleticism and quickness and everything like that. To me, RJ just never got it going as a point guard where he was most of the season, and some of this... He's just not being put in the right position. Like right now, he is mm-hmm. not ready to be an NBA point guard. So maybe it's not totally his fault, but the 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 lack of development that we saw there from RJ kind of cooled me off on RJ just a little bit 
where again, I was really high on him at the end of the last season. For me, RJ was a C. Okay. Yeah. I, I fell a little bit lower than that with, with RJ Hampton, just because I do feel like I was very high on him. Like you said, you were as well coming into the year. I, I had high hopes for RJ. I was hopeful that he would be a better player. And to be completely honest, I don't think he was. I think that, you know, he was a guy, he, he was able to, he had, what, one or two triple doubles last year or something like that um, near the end of the year. Like you said, one rookie of the month at one point. But just the, the decline that he took, and I get it, right? Like he he had to, he played a huge, a bigger role somewhat last year just because of all the injuries, whatever. But the team was just as injured. He played 64 games this year, Jonathan, and plays Three minutes less, four minutes less a game, 21 minutes a game, and shoots 38% from the field, an average 35% from three on on his 2.9 attempts. For me, I have RJ Hampton as a D plus. Um, I I just I could never I, I wanted to be on board with him so badly, but it's just every time I watched him play, it was like I just felt like there was something else that I realized that he has a problem doing. You know, like I just he. He very much needs to be like the last guy off the bench. I think that that's a player that he might be. And maybe it's harsh because he's only 20 and it's his second year and he's very, very young and and is still learning the systems. But it was in Denver and they really kind of didn't give him a huge chance. Comes into Orlando and gets his career high in points not too long after he joins Orlando, obviously on a worse team. But I just I was never defensively he he is good. He he is he is very good defensively, but leaves a lot to be desired offensively. He's gonna have to do a lot better than thirty eight percent from the field, only shooting seven times a game. So for me, he and he takes a step back, you know, he averages seven seven and a half points a game. He just didn't do it for me this year after kind of really was a big letdown and, and is a big reason for me to emphasize these grades for us are expectation versus reality of what we got this season and RJ just didn't come close to meeting the expectation I had for him. I think it, I think um, there's like truth in what each of us are saying. Like I, I still think he could be, I don't know about a super high level rotation guy in the league, but I do think he could be a rotational piece for a decent team. Again, if he really hones in on the three point shooting and he really hones in on, you know, being just in a, like an elite defender on ball, off ball, he showed kind of flashes in both scenarios this season. But there was a point earlier in the year where he was hanging around like 38, 39% from the three-point line. After the All-Star break, it, it kind of really fell off. I think he averaged 32% after the All-Star break. Where he, he really strives is in catch-and-shoot uh, three opportunities. 39.8% this season on 2.1 attempts. So, again, he's not going to be a guy that you really feature in your offense a ton. Um He's so athletic, though. I would like to see him cut a bit more. If you know the fans that have been following the Magic for quite a few years, one of the Magic staples was like that fake dribble handoff with Terrence Ross and Aaron Gordon, where he would cut back door. RJ, in my opinion, is the guy that can make that same type of play, uh, especially if he becomes an even better three-point shooter. Because then you're worried maybe he's going to shoot off the dribble handoff, or you know, going to be a pick and roll scenario, whatever the case may be. Um, 39.8% on catch and shoot opportunities. That's not nothing mm-hmm. like it, it, I'm very confident in RJ catching the ball on the wing and just not thinking about it and just firing. I think that's where he has the most success. His issues right now is when he puts the ball on the floor. It seems yep. like he doesn't really know what he's doing. Hasn't made his mind up. Right. And it just has all this athleticism and all this speed and doesn't know what to do with it yet. Now, yeah. You mentioned he's only 20 years old. He's got a lot of time to figure this stuff out. Right. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up in either scenario, either a really good rotational piece or just as like the ninth or tenth guy off the bench to come in and give you some minutes while your while your star you know catches a breather. But yeah, I think we were both really high on RJ. Now we're you know a little bit lower on RJ. It wouldn't surprise me if RJ kind of has. A, a better season next year, and we're kind of somewhere in the middle. We're not super low on him. We're not high on him, but we're like, RJ was really, really fine this season. And I think a, another part of it is like, you know, he came from Denver where he wasn't getting a ton of opportunity, came to the Magic, had a ton of opportunity right away, and then sees the Magic draft Jalen Suggs and knows, like, they just took this kid with the fifth pick. That 
you know, definitely took a, a big chunk of his role or what would have been this his role on this team this season. All right, who do you want to talk about next? Let's uh let's let's talk about Terrence Ross. We can we can do T Ross and followed by Gary Harris. Yeah. We can group them together there. Yeah. Um I, I want to I hear just wanna, your, before, your t- before yeah, I'm sorry. I just I feel the need to say this. Like Okay. I love Terrence Ross. Like I, I truly oh, love Terrence Ross. Like mm. <sighs> Terrence Ross 1819 is one of the most fun players I've ever watched play basketball in my life. Like there was mm. nothing mm. like Terrence Ross taking over. That's the year that he became the human torch. We did not have that nickname for Terrence before the 2018, 2019 season. And just kind of each year since then, like it was a career year from him. He, you know, he signs the deal. I remember the Instagram live. He's like Orlando forever. Like he's got his wife mm. and his son in the car and they're, they're, they're so excited and blah, 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 blah. I remember him wearing like nothing but Orlando magic gear that entire off season, even leading up to free agency was always posting pictures of him in a magic hat or a magic shirt or a magic jacket, whatever the case may be. But it seems like, and I don't even have the numbers right now to back this up. I've got to pull this up. But it feels like each of the last three seasons, he's kind of started to stay or right. step down. You're right. I am uh, right. Specifically from the three-point percentage. Well, I mean, specifically from the three-point, yeah. I mean, that is what his success is predicated upon. Now, last year, obviously, you know, has his uh, really career uh, high in, in terms of scoring. But if I go to his advanced numbers, and I'm just going to compare it to 2018-2019 in terms of usage, was 23.9. And somehow last year it was 24.1. Um, but he was not, you know, anywhere near as um, efficient as he was in that 2018-2019 season. So, again, 2018-2019 38% from three, the 2020-21 season, 33% from three. So what we need out of Terrence Ross is the three-point ability, the ability to really get things going for the team in that regard. And it just hasn't been there for Terrence. And I tried, I was like going through it. I'm trying to find like the statistic that is like, well, maybe he's not getting, you know, uh, enough open shots. Uh, you know, maybe it's, you know, he's not getting, you know, enough catch and shoot opportunities. But when he's given those opportunities, he's not capitalizing on them. So in terms of catch and shoot, we're looking at 2.7 attempts per game. He shot 30% from the floor, from the three-point line. So, and I know with Terrence, catch and shoot opportunities mean different things than they do for other players because they are so focused on him that he's catching the ball and he doesn't really have a lot of airspace. Uh, But I went and looked in terms of, wide open three-point opportunity. So this is when your nearest defender is six feet or further away from you. Terrence Ross, three-point percentage, 37%. For a wide open guy, a guy that we call on to knock down those shots, 37% just is not good enough. Like, it it, it just isn't. And I love Terrence. I don't know if he doesn't want to be here in Orlando anymore, which for the record, I would completely understand if he doesn't want to be here through this rebuild, he is getting later into his career. Um, has never, I mean, he's played on some good Toronto teams, but never played for like a true contender. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's looking at his career and like, yo, I don't have. He's. I'm not saying he's on his way out, but he's got what, maybe four or five years left. I mean, and that might be being generous. At least three to four years left. Yeah, I'm sure he wants to play for a contender, but it just seemed like we saw almost like a joyless Terrence Ross at times this season. Mm-hmm. Like not a guy that's like really jovial and like joking around. Like a lot of times he just seemed like, whatever, I'm here. And is that fair to Terrence? I don't know. He might have had some personal stuff going on, so I don't want to like rag on him too much about this, but yeah. was just not good enough in the minutes that we saw out of Terrence Ross this season. What what was your grade for him? I gave Terrence a D. Okay. We're we're on the same wavelength then. I, I gave him a D as well. So Terrence, unfortunately, my lowest graded player like you said nothing but love for Terrence uh and and completely understand if he wants to be in a different situation and we did a segment early on where we felt like Mosley wasn't using plays to get like Terrence the ball and the the it's there in terms of usage percentage in terms of like the usage you know last year he had a 24 percent usage and this year 20.5 um so and it is that is a, a decent difference, and so I, a big I think difference. that 
yeah, I, I think that Mosley absolutely wasn't utilizing T. Ross as much as he maybe should, but the difference was in the past years with Terrence, the Magic were trying to win games. The front office was talking about making the playoffs, you know, turning the franchise around, whatever. Obviously, they're still trying to turn the franchise around, but it's more about developing players. Mosley said it many times. I'm going to throw lineups out there now at any point in the game, and I'm just experimenting. Is Essentially, I'm paraphrasing, but that was said. I think T. Ross just unfortunately didn't fit the agenda for this team this year. He's 30, like you said. He's got three to four years left, and I want to clarify, at least from my opinion, at this, maybe at what the level he's contributing. I think that he could obviously stretch it out to be 37, 38 years old and be a guy that's basically making nothing up to that point and not playing very much. But at this level, I think three to four more years. Hopefully an elevated level. I don't know what they're going to do with Terrence. He's got, I believe, one more year left on that contract, I, I believe. He does. You're correct. Yeah. So as far as Terrence goes, I just, I mean, he took a dip, again, from the th- from three. He took a dip, and ultimately that it's that easy. Like, you look at Terrence Ross and the player that he is, you, that's what you have to look at. Is is I can look at T. Ross. He's one of very few players in the league that's a rotational guy. You can look at his three-point percentage and be like, he didn't do what you hoped he would do. I mean, to take the dip that he has in the last few years, I, I think it's inexcusable. I understand that like stuff hasn't been being ran for him. But at the same time, I think that you know he he is the whole, a lot of the reason that he has a that he got a, a D grade from us. I'm not going to put all that blame on Mosley, but I do think it's a fit thing as well. So it's uh, it's unfortunate, and and I just I was hopeful that he would be the veteran that could step in and and really contribute and set an example on the court. It's just felt like that wasn't the case. I think there is. Um, I, I don't know if it's anything. It's definitely something. Pre All Star break, Terrence Ross shot thirty one percent from the three point line, which by his standards is horrible. Right. Post All Star break, and now uh, only twelve games. So this is where we saw a lot of like, oh, you're going to play, you're not going to play. Yeah. Four point one attempts, eighteen percent from the three point line. Like Kid by Terrence Ross's out. standards, any standard. I I don't know that it. I don't know that it's checked out. I know it. I mean, I feel like there's a that's a large possibility. I don't want to assume things. That's probably how I feel that he kind of is checked out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, <laughs> this just came to mind. We like we're looking at Vooch, you know, uh, just kind of this season in Chicago. And at times, Bulls fans have been really happy with Vooch. Other times, they're looking to trade the guy. We look at Terrence Ross. We look back to that 2018 2019 season. And like, those are two guys that Cliff like cracked the cheat code with. Like yeah. I know exactly how to get every ounce out of these two specific guys, mm-hmm. and that's probably a reason why they were such big parts of our success uh, when Clifford was here. But man, if there are two guys in the world that miss Steve Clifford more than anything, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. Terrence Ross and and it's Nikola Vucevic because um, this season, again, like you said, he wasn't you know featured a ton. Um, it's also, he wasn't playing with as good of players. So I think there's always some fair reason and argument for decline there, but, uh, Terrence just by and large, is not good enough this season. Um, let's flip the page. Look at, let's look at Gary Harris. And this is a guy who, for me, the script like completely changed over the course of the season because we were making jokes. Like the guy wouldn't be able to throw me in a trash can, (laughs) couldn't hit a shot to start the season. And mm-hmm. then, like, down the stretch, like, it was like, wow, like, Gary Harris literally cannot miss. So let's look at Gary Harris uh, really for the entire season here. Let's go back to all games on NBA.com here. That's where we're getting all these stats. So Gary Harris in 61 games, 28.4 minutes, 11 points, but 43% from the floor, 38% from the three-point line, and 87% from the charity stripe, two rebounds, 1.8 assists, and one steal per game for Gary Harris. And when we look at like post and pre-All-Star numbers, I'm going to pull those up now. Pre-All-Star, Gary Harris was shooting 38% from the three-point line, so he actually turned it on a lot earlier than I thought he did. Yeah, I know the All-Star you know, break November, was like the last fourth of the year. No, I think. November and December were, oh my gosh, they were so bad for Gary Harris. And then after the All-Star break, you know, right at almost 41% from the three-point line. Let's just look at the month of November. I'm going to guess was horrid for Gary Harris. So Gary Harris, 24% on 3.4 attempts. 
when we go to December for Gary Harris, let's see if it's any any better here. Gary Harris jumped up to 43.9%. So yeah. December is when Gary Harris turned it on, and that just kind of set the trajectory for him for the rest of the season. I have something to admit to you, Luke. You've mm. been a proponent basically since December when he shooted, started shooting the ball really well of re-signing Gary Harris. I'm now on board with re-signing Gary Harris if it's for the right deal. I agree. Now, I say that, apologize to Chuma. We haven't got to Chuma yet, but you owe that man an apology. We'll talk about him, but uh, you probably won't care for my teammate. Great for him either. Oh, that's awesome. Um, So that'll be fun to break down as well. But, uh, yeah, as far as Gary goes, um, did you say, or did you give your your teammate grade or your grade for him? I don't know. I did not. I gave Gary Harris a B plus. Wow, you you rated Gary better than I did. Well, that just shows we're talking about expectations. You expected a lot out of Gary. I did not expect a lot out of Gary coming into this season. Yeah, I, I had pretty high expectations for for Gary Harris, um, which is why I gave him a B minus. Not a bad grade at all um, for a guy that had the stretches that he had at the beginning of the year. I just think that he won me over with with what he was able to do from three moving on. I mean, to shoot as badly as he did to start the year, Jonathan, the first couple months, and to finish the year on five attempts shooting 38.4% from three, I mean, if he's that guy all year, I think he shoots 40%, and that's not even a question from three um, on on more than five attempts. So I, I think where you know Gary very much hinges on, much like Terrence, it's going to hinge a lot on that three-point percentage. His field goal percentage was was forty-three percent, you know, forty-three and a half. I'd like to see it, but uh, you know, a lot of his field goals are, are three-pointers. What? I'm I'm raising my hand because I, yeah. I need I need to say something. Say From it. December on, on catch and shoot three opportunities, Gary Harris shot forty-four percent. It's my dog. From behind it's the my dog, line. baby. We got some Gary Harris love right now. That's yeah, that's yeah. legit. That's valid yeah. as the as Gary the Gary Harris Harris deserves the recognition for the way that he I played from December. I'm sorry. I yeah, apologize. Well, well, you know, and this 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 will go into my 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 Chuma stuff later. But like, maybe you don't owe him an apology just because he he deserved it. <laughs> he he, he, <laughs> he deserves Chuma deserves an apology. All right, bro. Well, well, uh, okay. Um. Chuma splits were still terrible. Anyway, um, so so yeah, so so Gary gets a, a B minus from me, and uh, and yeah, I hope the Magic resign him on a, a team friendly deal, whatever that looks like, uh, and, and we'll see, we'll see. I'm very interested. I he didn't get traded at deadline. I feel like they would have traded him if they could get something. I would like to think you could still get something for Gary Harris if you were to trade him. I think that he's coming back as a result, and I think that they know it's going to happen. Time will tell. All right, let's move on to rookie Jalen Suggs, which the Magic took with the fifth overall pick in last year's draft. Uh, Jalen Suggs, 48 48 games, excuse me, in 27 minutes, uh, averaged 11.8 points, shot 36% from the floor, 21.4% from the three-point line, 77% from the free-throw line, 3.6 rebounds, 4.4 assists, three turnovers, uh, led the team one Point two steals per game. Jalen Suggs. Uh, this is gonna be a little bit polarizing of a of a discussion, I think. Um, and really, he is right now just kind of a, across the league and across the Magic fan base. For the expectations coming into the year, um, I gave Jalen Suggs a C plus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? And I'm I'm changing my mind. I'm gonna give him a B minus because. I thought he was going to be a good defender. He was a great defender. He was arguably the Magic's best defender this season. Um, probably for sure their best perimeter defender. So he was much better in that regard. And I thought that he was going to be good, but he turned out to be excellent defensively. But offensively, he did leave a lot uh, you know, basically to, to be desired. The 36% from the floor, 21% from the three-point line. And then when you look at the 4.4 assists to three turnovers per game, the turnovers for me is 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 really the major issue. Um, I think as the year went on, in terms of like getting to his spots, um, mm-hmm. he started to do a bit better in that regard. Um, but he still like just like gets stripped a lot. It's not always like bad passes. It's right. like a loose handle, strip ball turning into a live Getting ball situation for the other situations. Team. 
that that is a, a pretty good description. Again, mm-hmm. not so much RJ Hampton, but still kind of doesn't really know what he's going to do until he's like already in a bad spot and mm-hmm. then just ends up like coughing up the ball. Yeah. So offensively, I still think there's a lot of potential there. I, I do think if Jalen gets in the, the gym this summer and works on two things, specifically the handle and the three-point shooting, I think we could see a much different Jalen Suggs this year. But especially what we saw you know, in summer league, he did shoot the ball relatively well and, and honestly yep. looked better than anyone else did on that summer league team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought Jalen was going to have a much better rookie season than he did. Yeah. So I'll go B- minus for Jalen Suggs. Okay. Um, so Jalen Suggs, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I wasn't high on Jalen. I, I don't think I think I still stand there and I'm still not high on Jalen and, and what I think that his ceiling is. He's an incredible defender and and obviously you have to give that to him. He earned all of that. He comes back from injury. This team takes a huge leap defensively. Unfortunately, it's a it's a it's a twofold game. Like you, you have to perform offensively as well. And as you highlighted, just didn't play well offensively. He he looked at times like he he wasn't sure. What he was going to do, he, he started to dribble with his head down and just all of a sudden found himself in a situation where, like he like you said, he gets stripped, he makes a bad pass as a result, and led to that really bad assist-to-turnover ratio, uh, which improved throughout the year and ended up being better than what it was and what you know it, it was looking like. But all that to say, after Summer League, seeing him perform, hit some big shots in Summer League, I, I was swayed a little bit to the point where I was like, I'm I'm not I'm still not high on him, but I believe he could be a decent player. Like I, I think that he could be pretty good, and and so as a result, you know, I think if I were to have had that same feeling I had draft night when when drafting Jalen Suggs, I probably would have given him a higher grade because my expectations would have been lower. But because my expectations were higher, I gave Jalen a C. Um, I, I just I just think that, uh, like I said, I, I think that he just did not perform well at all offensively i never really trusted him offensively with the ball and it, it that's kind of contributed to his uh c grade so let me ask you this do you see a path forward maybe where jalen isn't like a superstar but is like an all-star level talent do you see a path that that is possible for jalen if not why and if so yeah. what do you think he has to do to make sure that happens well, I think regardless, I can answer like what he has to do. I think that he he needs to improve with the ball in his hands. This is a guard heavy league. He, he's a guy that that is going to have to handle the ball regardless of if he wants to. He's a guard. He's going to have to handle the ball. He's going to have to tighten his handle. He's going to have to think more before he does something. And that was the biggest thing for me was was really like as bad as he was shooting from the field, 36 percent, 21 percent from three. That's that is almost like on the back burner for me compared to like his turnover problem, because that that'll lose you some games like that'll lose you a lot of games. If you've got a guy who just can't like late game situations, are you going to trust the ball like Jalen with the ball in his hands and like uh, a, a playoff contention type situation with what we saw this year? I wouldn't. I don't I don't see him having uh I I don't see him be, I'm not saying there's not a path but I don't see him becoming an all-star at any point. Um I I just I I was disappointed and I really didn't have high expectations. I was still disappointed by by Jalen Suggs offensive output this year. Now, somebody that we've talked a lot about of and, and kind of having a similar problem is RJ Hampton where like at times RJ Hampton it's like I don't even see like the good flashes of right. the ability to like put the ball on the floor with yeah. Jalen. I think there still are those good flashes. It's just more so of, and he improved, you know, everyone's talked about, you know, him going out in December with the thumb injury and, you know, having a lot of time to sit back and just kind of watch everything and, and learning. And though we did see an improvement when he came back, um, if you look at like, you know, pre all-star post all-star, like the, the turnovers never really improved that much throughout the season um like he went from uh you know before yeah uh, the all-star break it was like you know four assists and 3.0 it was 4.4 assists 3.0 turnovers post all-star it's 4.3 
you know, to 2.8. So it's like a little less assists, a little less turnover. So it's like maybe you're passing the ball just a little bit less each game or not handling Mm -hmm. the ball quite as much. I I don't feel like he's like, and I don't even want to say RJ is hopeless, but I feel like there's still a pretty significant difference on the way that I feel with the ball in each of those guys' hands. Mm. I I would say I disagree. I, I, I think... I think I trust them each, each less than everybody else. That's a that's a guard. I I just yeah I don't know man. I I they have the ball in their hands and like I don't I don't like what I'm gonna see because either I mean statistics show Jalen's probably gonna miss the shot, and if he doesn't miss the shot, he might turn it over. I I just I, the statistics do speak volumes in terms of like the what he was able to do. I I just think that I I would disagree on it, but. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, we, we both pretty much agree with the way that he performed this season. I still, obviously we both feel very differently on like his projection moving forward. And this is going to be a massive off season for Jalen Suggs, like the top, you know, five overall pick, like he's definitely not happy with the way that he played this season. Mm -hmm. He didn't play up to, you know, the expectations of the fifth pick. We all would agree that the eighth pick Franz Wagner played significantly better than Jalen did. But so, and I, I want to add, Jonathan, I think that plays a huge part in, in why maybe people feel the way they do about RJ Hampton versus Jalen Suggs. I mean, RJ's 20. Like, he's got a lot to, to go from. Like, he's got a way. But not being a top five pick, it kind of makes you less feel less promising about his future. I think, like, I think that people are, are definitely doing that. I think Jalen being a number five pick, like you said, a top five pick shouldn't have performed that way in his rookie year. And I and it, and not to mention he was a guy that was a top two, top three pick projected sometime during the college basketball season. I think that the where he got picked plays a huge role in people still being able to believe in him because I think if some team was able to pick him at five, he's got to have something there. But uh, I mean, in my retort to that would be like, I I don't think. I don't know that that's the case. Like, I don't know if like just because he was a top five pick means that like we should have these all star type projections for him. He just might not work out that way. He might be a solid rotational player, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long as he fits on this team. I, I think that obviously we could talk forever about Jalen Suggs and yeah. and kind of why we think the way we do, but it, all that it really can be boiled down to this is a like you said a huge off season for him. And, and it's going to be very interesting to see how he responds next year with more talent around him, maybe a little bit more guidance, hopefully. And, you know, getting maybe some more veteran presence in the locker room would be nice. But we'll see. Well, unfortunately, as much as I still believe in Jalen Suggs, I can't disagree with anything that you just said. I mean, we, we watched, you know, every single game that he played this year, and he did not live up to expectations. He didn't play particularly well. Yes, there were flashes. Yeah. Um, and, and the optimist that I am, you know, I, I'm mm-hmm. choosing to see those flashes and seeing like, if he can harness those, he'll be pretty good. But I, again, I can't disagree with anything that you just said, unfortunately. So I have to just sit here and be like, all right. And we will take the kind of wait and see approach, you know, with mm-hmm. Jalen Suggs, the last backcourt player that we're going to mention, we have to Markel Fultz. So obviously missing 14 months coming off of the ACL, um, you know, didn't play the large majority of this season. Uh, really just came back, you know, the last couple of months here. Uh, did play 18 games for the Magic in 20 minutes per game, averaged 10.8 points on 47% from the floor, 23.5% from the three point line, 80% from the free throw line, 2.7 rebounds, 5.5 assists, two turnovers, 1.1 steal a game. What did you think about Markel Fultz? I love this man. I really do. I, I I appreciate him more now than I did before he came back. You know, like I you obviously have been high on Markel and, and as the point guard of the future, that sort of thing. And I just because of lack of personnel would would agree with you at that point. Like he is a starting point guard for the Magic heading into next year. But the the way that he played in his 18 games, I mean, it was I mean, the win percentage was better. Magic goes six and twelve in that in that span with the personnel they've got and with what they were working with and basically admitting and showing that they were tanking. Six and twelve is pretty impressive. 
Um, so with what Markel with, was with able to do. With the training wheels on, with, with the reins on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 20 minutes per game. He finished at 20 minutes a game flat. So I, I think that, that Markel is, uh, is, you know, played incredibly for, for what I thought. The three-point shot, I've never believed that it's going to happen. So like 23% on almost one attempt a game, whatever. Uh, I would love for him to improve there, but I don't know if it'll happen. I just hope at some point he just kind of stops shooting uh, the three ball and just becomes a guy that fully just embraces facilitating, which I think he has, uh, embracing facilitating and getting the basket, getting to his spots. His mid-range jumper, filthy. So Markel Fultz, uh, for the sake of time, I'll cut it my explanation short there. I gave him an A-. minus. Markel Fultz, um, I gave Markel a B plus, uh, just because in terms of – like I knew he was if he came back and was healthy, I knew the kid was going to be filthy. Like I, I, I never lost belief that Markel would come back from the injury and eventually get to where you know he was going to be. Um, but to come back and look the way that he did, now the only reason I gave him a B plus is because I feel like in more minutes could have been even better. Um, I felt weird about giving a guy that averaged you know basically ten points a game an A plus, but I don't think there's like as long as it's a good grade, there's not a wrong grade for Markel. If you feel like he was an A plus or an A minus, whatever the case may be, the kid was fantastic when he came back. The team looks so much better. I remember laughing early in the season when people were like, "Oh, we have Cole and Jalen. Like Markel's right. the Markel's the guy, the oddball out." And I'm like, "What the hell are you guys talking about? You completely forgot." The top. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah. You just completely forgot about everything that you saw out of this kid. Like Markel to me is not a guy that you can look at his numbers and be like, "Oh, this is the this is the player that he is." It's hard to measure his impact on the floor unless you're watching these games and you just see how much better the offense looks, how much more energized guys are because the team just looks better, and then they're more energized on the offensive end. They play better on the defensive end. He's a yeah. better defender than Cole Anthony, so the team obviously takes a little bit of an upgrade there with him on the floor. But like you cannot right now overstate how much better Markel Fultz makes this team. Yeah, you know, well, I, and what I'll they say they win twenty games on the year. Yeah, and they win half of the games that well, a third of the games that they played when he came back. Yeah, so I would have given Markel an an A if it wasn't for something he can't help which was how soon he came into the season. My expectation for Markel was that he That's was going to, fair. going to be playing sooner than he did, way more than 18 games, fully ramped up near the end of the year. Obviously, near the end, like he was playing 24, 25 minutes a game, really, near the end of the season. But, yeah, I think he would have been an A for me instead of an A-. minus. It's just out of, was out of his control. I don't think that he would be displeased with an A- minus by any means. It's still a, a great grade. For a guy that only played 20 minutes a game, and it speaks to the volume that that he had, and it also plays into the fact that like my expectations weren't as high as yours for him too, so could be another reason that you you gave him that whatever whatever it was the B plus instead of an A minus. Um, he's exceeded expectations and his minimal sample size that we had. So I'm I mean you you can't discredit Markel at all for for what he was able to do in his 18 games. So Markel in playing, you know, mostly with the bench unit, you know, not playing with the the best players on the floor, um, in his time this season was a plus five point four differential per one hundred possessions when he was on the floor versus when he was off the floor, which is good for the eighty first percentile for point guards. Now Cole was at the eighty seven percentile, and like Cole by no stretch of the imagination was bad this season, but definitely had the benefit of playing with guys like Franz. Right. Uh, you know, with you know Wendell Carter, with Mo Bamba, you know, playing kind of in that better lineup. Uh, but yeah, Markel in a lot of minutes where we saw Ignis Brezdakis and you know Admiral Schofield, that Markel was on the floor for him to be in the 81st percentile in terms of on-off court differential speaks to the impact that Markel had on this team. And we saw like Markel and, and Mo Wagner like together. Like Mo Wagner would just play like he he was a Super Saiyan. I know that you might not understand that reference, you know Dragon Ball Z. I, I, I'm, I'm there now. Sorry, I I, I, your 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 anime, you know, knowledge. I I'm not always sure on. So I, mm, I, I can't. no, I, too fair. But I think anybody yeah. that even isn't into anime knows what that is. Anyway. I would hope so. I would hope so. The the point stands. Mo Wagner just also looked great with Markel Fultz on the floor, but uh, but yeah, um. 
yeah, I think that's really where we're at with our with our player grades. Um, mostly we mostly agreed here. Um, would love to hear your guys' thoughts. You know, whether you agree, disagree, your reasons why, like in the YouTube comments or you know wherever you're listening to the podcast. But yeah, Luke, um, I think that's going to wrap up our player grades for the backcourt. Um, apart from Markel, who are you kind of most intrigued to see um, how they look next season? Jalen Suggs. Okay, I, I wasn't going to let you say Gary Harris. I know you, I know you wanted to say Gary, but mm-hmm. uh, but Jalen, yeah, Jalen. In terms of what it means, I think it's a, I think it's big. It's really about how not to be cliche, but like it's how you bounce back. Yeah. And he had for lack of a better term, a, a terrible year, like in, in terms of just all around. I think it was not really all bad. around defensively. He was f- phenomenal, but the offensively offensive, I'll say terrible the offensive That's weaknesses fine. to me made it a, a bad season. Like I don't, it's you, you can't like, they don't just throw out people cause they play good defense. Like you got to play not good offense. And, and, and so, so Jalen Suggs, man, um, I, I think that he is the one I'm, I think has the most important off season of these guards, Obviously, yeah. Cole, you could argue as well. There's a lot of arguments to be made, but I, I think Jalen, Cole, just even he where he's pick. at, though, Cole, even where he is at, has like a, a role in the league as a like a bench scorer. Yeah. Jalen, mm-hmm. on the other hand, he's if trying he's to find that. Always this, this bad offensively. Yep. Like you said, like they don't really, I mean, unless you're Matisse Thibel, <laughs> I'm not saying Jalen is Matisse Thibel, but Matisse Thibel is thrown out there because he's a stud defensively, and that's mm-hmm. it. Like, let, let, let's not uh, you know, pretend that's not the case. But I'm not giving up on Jalen. I don't think you are either. That's not what you're saying. No. I'm not trying to put no, words in your mouth. But yeah. this is a mat. Like, if this is the Jalen that we see next year, like, you, you ring the alarms. Like, it's absolutely. It's a it's a disaster at that point. So I I would <laughs> agree with you. It's a it's a a, a massive off season for him, and and hopefully we'll see him bounce back and be a much better player. And then we can revisit this, I hope. <laughs> uh, but we'll see. But, Luke, I think that's going to wrap up the player grades. Anything else that you want to add? No, that, that's it. That's about it. All right, folks. Again, do not forget May 17th. I think it's going to be 7 o'clock is what it's looking like. If Tankathon is right, Tankathon could be wrong. But around 7 o'clock at Harry Buffalo, downtown Orlando for the Draft Lottery Watch Party. Make sure you call. Leave us a voicemail. 407 407- I'm now forgetting the number again. Let me pull that back up here for us. 407-603-1189. I forgot how many numbers are in a phone number, apparently. Uh, But for Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You guys are listening to The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.